This March, we will be releasing our new album, Wildcat, Out Into the World. It's our eighth studio album and 11th album of original material in total. I love the albums we've recorded. I stand by our music and enjoy playing our songs live. But I'm also very well aware of the kind of band we are and the parameters we have to play within. Most bands speak negatively about feeling limited, being contained. They want to progress, move forward, expand their sound. They want to experiment. I feel none of this with our music. And although some people may think our music is confined to a squared box, I somewhat agree, but amend that supposed square box to be more of a rhombus that dips and swings while remaining unrepentedly fixed. But even though our band's sound remains somewhat anchored, my personal listening runs the gamut. No rules on music is a policy I strictly follow. And when opportunities arise for me to perform on other people's records, I jump at the chance to spread my wings and do something a little out of my comfort zone. I feel there's a time and a place for everything and offers to guests are opportunities to push boundaries. When Marty Friedman was working on his outstanding Inferno album back in 2013, I was asked to sing on three cuts. It was an opportunity I relished a chance to play with a master musician in a genre of music that I've never even attempted to tackle. It gave me a chance to step into an arena I had watched from the sidelines for so long. As a lifelong listener of guitar music and a huge fan of what Marty has done, it simultaneously checked off many desired goals. I enjoyed singing back and forth with Alexi Leho from Children of Bodom and on top of Marty's commanding guitar work. The only regret I have with the whole project was not being able to sing those songs with Marty in a live setting. Even when his North American tour made its inevitable Toronto stop, we were flying out of town that night to start our own tour, an outstanding item that needs to be checked off the list. I did keep abreast of Inferno's entire cycle where Marty took his album all throughout 2014 and with whom. Of course, I had a vested interest. To me, it was the farthest I had ever gone outside of my band, and I was curious to know how well it did. Maybe that was what inspired what is soon to be, my first genuine side project I have ever done outside of this band. With JC on bass, we recently teamed up with UC Letisalo and Tommy Lepinen from the Finnish legendary experimental psych rock band Circle to form Iron Magazine, a rocking metal send-up that UC has aptly described as happy metal. Our four-song EP comes out in February of this year, but the digital single titled Queen of Hell will be released this January 27th, so look out for it. Even though Marty has been on the podcast twice before, episode 24 and episode 74 to be exact, we only went as far as Inferno's impending release, but nothing after the fact. Even though Marty is already hard at work on Inferno's follow-up, I jumped the gun and asked him on for a third time. Instead of talking about the new album, we recapped Inferno on this episode, something I was quite glad to do. And of course, what podcast episode with Marty and I would be complete without a discussion on KISS? If you don't know already, the other two podcast episodes with Marty are almost glorified KISS Army podcasts. Here is no different. As I've stated many times before that this podcast moonlights as a KISS Army podcast. Again, Whenever I turn this podcast into a Kiss Army podcast, I feel the need to preamble and say that any opinions offered here, whether you agree with them or not, are said out of 100% pure fandom for the iconic entity that is Kiss. Often when you talk about subject matter that people are passionate about, emotions can run high and get out of hand. Trust us here that this is a podcast between two people who absolutely love KISS, who only want to see the band victorious in whatever endeavor. And even though anticipation on Marty's next release is high, 
We don't delve too into it here, but trust me that when it does get released, Marty will be back on the podcast to talk about it in depth, and I can't wait for that. With this being Marty's third appearance on the podcast, he joins the ranks of this podcast's exclusive club, the Black Coffee Brigade. In order to become a member, one must have guested three times on the podcast. Other esteemed members include Damian Abraham, Wade McNeil, Brendan Canning, Duff McKagan, Jim Rhoda, Barrett Martin, Dragon, and now Marty Friedman. Congrats, Marty! This podcast is supported by Blue Mic Microphones and Skull Candy Headphones. This podcast supports Chino Locos restaurants. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. This is me talking to my pal Marty Friedman. He's this episode's guest on the official Danko Jones podcast, and it starts now. The Danko Jones podcast is the best around. It's better get his Danko screw up, tell him for free. I'm so glad I like to sometimes. Jimmy in from fucked up. Stop playing. Hang down. Down. Thank you for listening to the Danko Jones Podcast! You motherfuckers! It's fucking great! It fucking slays! Thank you for listening to the Danko Jones Podcast! You motherfuckers! Thank you for listening to the Danko Jones Podcast. We hope you will enjoy the show. The Danko Jones Podcast. Sit back and let the evening go. The Danko Jones Podcast. It's wonderful to be here. It's certainly a thrill. You're such a lovely audience. We'd like to take you home with us. We'd like to take you home. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, get ready because the Danko Jones podcast starts. So, how are you doing, man? It's been a while. It has been a while, man. It's been like almost three years since we did a podcast together. So we did that podcast before we recorded all that stuff? Well, it was bef- it was the last time we did a podcast together, Kiss was about to get inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and oh, Paul, wow. S- Paul Stanley was about to release his autobiography, and I, didn't, I, I can't believe why I, I didn't hit you up to talk about Paul's autobiography. I, I don't understand, but anyways, yeah, it's been a while, I think. You, you <laughs> talked about man. yeah. You talked about Inferno a bit, like you know how it was working, but then we never really did a follow up about Inferno. And all right, well, yeah. So you know Inferno since you were such a huge part of it, and uh, you uh, sang on a bunch of that, and um, came out and toured all over the place. And uh, uh, biggest solo tour I've ever done was like sixty six cities, and. Wow. Um, yeah, it was, it was a lot for, for me to get out of Japan for that long. Uh, it was all good. Record did great. Best, uh, uh, I'm thinking in Japanese again, best uh, reputation of all of uh, the records I've done, best response. Um, almost got, uh, when I was in Toronto, I almost uh, just did a near miss with having you come and play that live. Do you realize when you were sound checking in Toronto, we were at the airport flying out of Toronto? Unbelievable, man. I couldn't believe it. I was boarding and I was like, you know what? Marty's probably getting ready to go on right now. <laughs> totally true. I couldn't and believe the funny it. Thing is the song that we did, I Can't Relax, we actually 
played that live in the, on the UK tour with Jorgen singing. I saw I saw a couple of tra- uh, YouTube clips of that. That's amazing. I mean, if anyone could, would do it, I would love to hear Jorgen's version. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah, he rocked it, man. He was totally up for it. And um, we actually have a song on the new record. Um, this time, um, he's actually singing on, the, on, the, on Inferno. We did an instrumental together. Yeah. And uh, this time, uh, I had him sing. And uh, there's uh, some sax interplay, but it's not as uh, sexual, so to speak, as, as, <laughs> uh, as on uh, Inferno was a full-on sax mania. But this is more of a a really heavy, heavy song with uh, with Jorgen's vocals and uh, some sax interplays. It's quite different from Meat Hook, actually. But it's all good. All good. Well, Jorgen's Meat Hook, the, his his song on the Inferno, uh, was my favorite song on Inferno. Like, that was ah. my favorite one. I kept going back to that. That's the one that I kept listening to. And the fact that I'm such a huge Shining fan and a huge fan of yours, when I watched the YouTube clip of the two of you doing it, I was just blown away. I just couldn't believe <laughs> it. So That's yeah, cool. I mean, I, it's so cool. And now that he's coming back on the next record of yours, it's um, exciting. I mean, he's, yeah. he could do no wrong in my eyes. I mean, he's just a consummate musician. I mean, it's, he's amazing. Yeah. He's a trippy guy, man. He's really deep musically. Yeah. And at the same time, he's into just, full-on metal abandon you know what i mean it's like he can go deep deep into jazz way deeper than i would ever dream of going or want to go but he's <laughs> totally in there yeah at the same time he's like way heavier than like anything that i would come up with so like guy's got it on every every level man he's really one of a kind and then to top it all off shining performance wise as a live touring outfit are you I mean, are a phenomenal tour de force. I mean, it's fun watching them. It's wow, it's great. Yeah, it's just a sick band. I can't say enough good things about them. Like you, um, I, I just wish more people would get the opportunity to see them. It's a different, it's a different approach of metal or music or fusion or whatever you want to call it. It's just it's fresh, man. It's really new. And I think it's at this point, I think words starting to get around in terms like on a big on a grander scale. You know, I think they've been an underground and dare I say a musician's band for quite some time now. But I think right. they're starting to, you know, get a little bit more uh, get out there more and people are getting to hear about them a little bit more on a on a bigger scale. I remember yeah. when we were on the uproar tour in America back in 2013, actually on that tour, on a day off, I laid down vocals for Inferno when you were in L.A. Oh, right, right. And that tour had Alice in Chains and Jane's Addiction and uh, a couple of other big bands on the stage. And backstage, at one point in the tour, there was a couple of guys from Jane's Addiction and a couple of other guys from other... uh, Allison Chains, I believe, this drummer from Allison Chains, the bass player from Jane's Addiction. They're just, you know, hanging out. I didn't want to, you know, say anything, but I was eavesdropping because they were talking about Shining and about how amazing that band is. And I, I was, I wanted to come in there and just go, you don't even know the half of it. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't want to jump in. I uh, got it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think musicians probably, uh, pick up on it first because uh for us you know we're we're always doing music so when something's really fresh it kind of stands out you know so we kind of pick up on that there's so few things that get you excited you know current things you know there's always weird things that get you excited but when something is new and uh it's usually the the musicians who find it first and then uh if if you're lucky then some mainstream people will pick up on it yeah yeah, that's just how it usually goes with like, you know, real, real musician bands. I mean, that's, I mean, there's a few of those I can name. But you're you're in a very um, interesting, unique position as as a as a guitarist and someone who's in the forefront on stage. T- 
taking the spotlight and center stage. There's a couple of avenues that I've noticed that you could take now. I mean, the great thing that I loved about Inferno was, you know, you asking me to be on your album was something I never would have dreamed of because, you know, when I think of Marty Friedman, I think of, you know, guitars and the fact that you were, you know, uh, open to, you know, making it, dare I say, you know, more pop friendly. I mean, I, I dare say that with my name in the mix, uh, <laughs> but, but just more melodic, uh, more pop melodic or vocal, you know, like just having a human voice. Um, right. There's that avenue, but then there's another side to you, which is kind of where I, where I'm, uh, familiar with you is the, the the muso side, you know, like the the inc- the incredible intricate um, c- compositions that you can piece together and and bring in all kinds of crazy sounds and have it sound bizarre and extreme. Um, I just love these two kind of avenues that you you played with on Inferno, with a, you know volleying from you know Jorgen's track to my track, um, and have it all make sense under the the banner of you know the the Marty Friedman title. Um, it it begs the listener or the the Marty Friedman fan, what's next? Like where do you go? Which route do you take? Do you mix it up again? Do you go extreme on one side or the other? So this next you know album that you kind of hinted at talking about Jorgen being on the next one, um, at least has my eyebrows raised. I'm very curious to see where you go with it. Well, that's, uh, if everybody was as uh, thoughtful about the music they listen to as you are and, and what you just said, it would be great. Um, I learned a ton by doing Inferno. I mean, Inferno is one of those things that, I just said, look, I'm just going to do this until it's done. I'm not going to follow any deadlines. I'm not going to. Um, I'm going to take everybody's suggestions. I'll try anything once, but like if I'm not in love with it, it it goes. And that's why there was a lot of stuff written that didn't get used and things like that. So, like you said, there's a lot of diversity in my musicality for what that's worth, and there's a lot of uh, a lot of things that I'd love to do with music thing is you can't always do everything on the same record and expect people to agree with all of it or enjoy all of it yeah. so for to some extent you have to make it all make sense within itself you know and uh, well, a lot of what happens with uh, on guitar albums is it becomes kind of like a resume here's my country song here's my metal song here's this here's that yeah and uh, that's like the kiss of death i mean that is something that Luckily, I, I've always known that I wanted to avoid since I was a teenager. But uh, you run the risk when you have extremely eclectic musical tastes yourself of wanting to put the whole kitchen sink on the record. And you love it, but like some people, well, I like the first half, but like when he goes into this ballad thing, I, I, I'm out, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was the hardest and, and most satisfying thing was um, making everything fit and like, one concept one record and it's not like you skip a song or it's either you like it or you you don't like the whole thing and i I didn't want to you know have one of those records where people say well i like the first couple songs and then he goes into this weird eclectic shit you know so uh, having to like make some sort of borderline where i thought everything fit on the same album it was a huge learning process on inferno and i think i got it to not to a science, but to like something that I can continue to do and continue to make better. And, and making this new record has been exactly the same. I mean, I'm no deadlines and any deadlines that I've had, I've always like gone past. I mean, I was supposed to finish this record months ago, but I'm still mixing it now. So I had absolutely no pressure about that. And taking time, tons of demos, trying everything out. Even uh, as you know, I asked you to uh, take a shot at something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, uh, is, is uh, you know, I'm doing that with a million different ideas. I'm just throwing things every possible way. And that's why I think Inferno came out really well. I tried a lot of things and, and like you play, uh, had you sing on uh, Alexi's song on Inferno. I mean, that was something that came to mind, uh, you know, towards the end 
and uh, you never know when when the right idea is going to come up. So uh, that that process is uh, happening on this record big time. Well, for me, I especially with the Alexi track, um, I really kind of got to you know kind of flex my go into uh, areas that I'm not really able to do in my band. So singing with the singer of Children of Bodom, I mean, I, I kind of heavied it up a little more than I did on other tracks or even on our, you know, our own album's tracks, just because I knew his name was on it. Then <laughs> I'd heard his vocals on it. And it just kind of like primed me to go, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to do, I'm going to go more metal on this, you know? So, yeah, I was able to, I was able to do like a little more than I'm usually not allowed, but usually can't really, you know, with our band. So yeah, it was a lot of fun to, even I was able to do a few different styles, you know, in, in your world. Yeah, I was into it big time. And that's why uh, it came out the way it did. And it's all good. You know, I, 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 I think that trying a lot of stuff and like throwing the spaghetti against the wall, so to speak, has been what has helped me a lot. And, and like, I look at someone like you and, and when I listen to your records, they're very like, it sounds like a product, you know what I mean? It sounds, you know what you're going to get. Oh yeah. And, and, and I really like that about, your stuff it's very i'm thinking the word my japanese comes first the word i want to explain it, it comes in japanese and i can't think of the word in english it's like when you get something and you know you like it and you can buy the next one because you know you'd like the last one and it's going to be like that but hopefully better but you know it's not going to be like something to it's not going to be the elder all of a sudden you know what i'm saying i would just say ramones if that could be a word. Yeah, like the Ramones, but then <laughs> even the Ramones, the Ramones, like, they started to, like, they started to, like, change, and and Joey changed his vocal style, and, and even the Ramones went through some stuff, you know, and I don't think they were really good enough musicians to... Uh, to keep really it constant, own. right. Yeah, I don't know, man. I'm Of course, I'm the biggest Ramones fan ever, maybe even more than Kiss, but, uh, I, I mean, I think... Uh, what you have, I know you've been through a lot of member changes, but despite that, you've always held the thing, you held your project together with uh, the concept in mind that keeping this sound intact and building on this sound. And that's what I really like about it. Well, a lot of that credit goes to JC, our bass player. He's He really, um, like, I'll throw a million ideas, and he really kind of zeroes in on what the album should sound like. Um, and sometimes, if I'm left to my own devices, it could sound like, if I'm left to my own devices, like, you know, uh, it could sound like a, you know, a John Zorn album. <laughs> <laughs> so he really kind of corrals me in sometimes, and that's, that's really good. But uh, we both have this idea that, yeah, this is, a, we're a rock band. We're not a, you know, we're not a, symphonic prog band we're not a this band or that band and and uh, uh it's it's kind of knowing you know what you're good at and it's not and i sometimes i think well not sometimes i really subscribe to the idea that it is actually more challenging and there's a very definite art in trying to continue to do the same sound in music it's all it's all about like progressing and advancing sometimes progressing doesn't really necessarily mean going forward and i think there's a definite art in in staying within a box that i don't think gets enough credit for um because it's very interesting sometimes when i'm at the drawing board with my guitar and i'm like all right how am i gonna make it all sound fresh again you know so yeah well i have a ton of respect for that because kind of like just like you, I'm a fan first and kind of a fan more than anything. And there's a double standard as an artist, as a fan, because like as a fan, you don't want your favorite people to change ever. Don't change a thing. Yeah. At the same time, when you're playing stuff yourself and you get sick of it and you want to do something new, you want to have the freedom to do that. So you're a big hypocrite, you know. So I'm like the biggest hypocrite of all, you know, because yeah. uh I, you know, I want my favorite things to say the same, but meanwhile, I can change and do this and do that. So 
I think a lot of it has to do with knowing where your bread is buttered, you know? Um, a lot of people, like you said, know me for all this intense guitar stuff, which of course I do like, thankfully, but um, there's so much more that I want to do. So I have to uh, balance all of that stuff that's going to keep those people who supported me for so many years happy at the same time as uh, doing stuff that's going to satisfy me now. I mean, the, the guitar stuff, is, luckily, has always come very natural to me. Um, but I, there's so many deeper things that I enjoy that I want to portray on my records. And, and so I have to find a balance because if you, you turn off the people who got you wherever you are at any point in your career, you probably wind up with nothing somewhere along the way. So you have to keep a balance somehow. And that's, that's just another challenge. But it's all good. But yeah, and but also, you know, keeping within the sound that you've kind of fashioned for yourself, like a Ramones or ACDC or Slayer or that kind of, you know, very, very trademark sound. Um, for me, it also is because I'm a fan. Um, I like to look back on our discography and go, you know what? That's a solid row of albums. There's your solid slab of of rock. As a fan myself, I like to look at our discography and just like, because sometimes I look at bands' discographies and it's so sometimes so disjointed. Like, oh, they did a this kind of record and that. Oh man, they stumbled for five years. They, they, ah. there's there's holes in the discography, but but that that's sometimes why I like to keep things, you know, constant. Um, mm. As a fan, to just look at my own discography as and i always say i'm i'm the number one fan of our band like i have the most of everything i have the most laminates of this band collected <laughs> i have all the guitar picks i have all the flyers no one's got a more uh, comprehensive collection of of this band than i do so i am a fan of you know i mean it's weird but i am and so I, I look at it constantly from a fan's perspective as well. Mm. Uh, that's really good. And I, I admire that I should do that more about my own stuff. And I think uh, that more musicians should hopefully have that attitude. Uh, you know, it's, some, it's not something that you can get. You're either born with it or you're not. So I think that uh, I think it's a really good, healthy thing. And, uh, and it's not has nothing to do with being immodest or not humble about yeah, it. Yeah, if no. You, if, if you're not a fan of your own music, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, yeah, no, it has nothing to do about like, you know, looking at yourself in the mirror and just <laughs> giving yourself man, the guns. That was rad, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Talking to yourself in the mirror. You rule, man. <laughs> but you know what? You got to allow yourself that at some times. And like, I keep it to a bare minimum, and I, and I think I, I allow myself, when the record is mixed, I'm finally finished pissing off all the engineers and making them jump through hoops to make it exactly, exactly, exactly right. Then I allow myself, like, one playthrough through a great system, like in the studio or something, and just blare it and go, fuck yeah, this is rad, this is, this is awesome. Because if you're not feeling like that at the end of the record, you know, it's really not ready to be put out, I don't think. Yeah. So I kind of allow that one moment of immodesty when, when, <laughs> when the record is finally done. Until that, I'm completely your humble servant. <laughs> when it's done, man, it's like, this is fucking rad. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Yeah, yeah. I think every band should have those moments. Because it's so... It's so painstaking up until then, you know, every little thing, you know. Right now I'm in cymbal world and I want to kill all drummers that have ever existed. <laughs> you know, I can't, you know, because I don't know technically enough about drums to explain it in the way it needs to be explained. But right now I'm just like tweaking on one cymbal crash at two minutes, point forty two seconds is just bugging me. I don't know why, but can you take a cymbal crash from another song and stick it here and do this? I'm in that microscope world right now and it really sucks. And there's nothing fun or nothing to be proud of and nothing, <laughs> nothing to be excited about. Yeah. It's just the really dreary part of the hardest part of the making the record. So when this is finally done, I can enjoy it later, but right now it's a uh, kind of hellish. Oh, I, I know what you, you mean. I never go down that path. 
because I've seen people try and go down that path and they don't come back. But you've done this before, so I know you'll come back from it. But holy oh, I, smokes. I come back, but I always go down that fucking path. Yeah. But great thing, one thing I'm happy about is I always forget it. I always forget it. Um, <laughs> I'm sure I went through it on Infernal, but I don't remember that period of time at all. I think it blacks out. Yeah, right, right. But one of the other reasons that you and I always do these podcasts together is because of there's one large looming entity in both of our lives that we share yes. uh, a, a constant fandom uh for the band kiss yes so uh, what's the latest what's the latest that, that that you know and let's uh chat about that well the latest is uh there's a, you know you know how they're always in the news so and it's usually gene um but i would think the latest big tussle that really got some made some headway in in a lot of news outlets is something maybe you've heard was the uh when prince passed away uh last year gene simmons made some really really off-color remarks about prince's passing did you hear about that faintly but i don't remember what he said i i remember something about Something about that, and, I, and either I didn't want to read it because I knew it would be stupid, and I avoided it, and um, because I love Prince, and I just didn't want to hear Gene Simmons, who, you know, I'm a Kiss fan, so I didn't want to hear him make a fool of himself. So I'm kind of afraid to ask if you know what he said or if I even want to know it. Well, if you don't want to know it, it's just going to make you angry. But he uh. said something pretty negative about Prince when. It had just happened. So the, the, the thing is, Paul Stanley came, came, just, it was crazy that he just made this public. And he said, Paul Stanley tweeted, embarrassed by cold, clueless statements regarding Prince's death without all the facts, better to say nothing, my apologies. And that is in reference to Gene's tweet about Prince. Wow, good for him. Yeah. So Gene eventually uh, apologized. He did an apology tweet. But what wow. ended up happening was Shannon Tweed, Gene Simmons's wife, she got in the middle of it. And she tweeted, we all have our failings, but true friends don't point at them and throw you under the bus, especially partners of 40 years. Oh, my God. Yeah. Paul answered, yeah, Paul answered Shannon Tweed's tweet. Partners of 40 years says it all. Don't confuse walking under the bus with being thrown under. My apology was right. Do you think that these, all of this complete conversation is just to keep those guys in the news at all and relevant? Or do you think it's real? I re- well, that, that leads me to um, uh, Paul Stanley's autobiography, and I've gone through the last week and a half. I have been. Uh, I read the book. Did you read the book? Of course, I thought it's great. Well, what someone has done on YouTube, he's isolated certain parts of the audio book. Paul's audio version of his of his autobiography is twelve hours long. But he, wow. someone on YouTube, isolated the parts where Paul Stanley is talking about Peter Chris, Gene Simmons, Ace Frehley, and Eric Carr. And it is all negative. Like, I didn't realize it when I read the book. I just read the book. But then when you, when you hear it and you see how long he talks about it for, it's a substantial part of the book. So Peter Chris, he talks negatively about Peter Chris for 43 minutes. He talks about Gene Simmons for 40 minutes. He talks about Ace Freely for 41 minutes. And Eric Carr, he only talks about negatively for 20-plus minutes. So when you ask me if this is real, I have to say, after listening 
re-listening to the Gene Simmons 40-minute diatribe about how much of an asshole this guy is, I have to think that Paul really meant it. There's no kind of, you know, predetermined, you know, like gimmick that these guys are staging. Interesting. Uh, well, I don't know, man. Uh, I just don't, uh, uh, I don't want to, you know, it's so hard because we're KISS fans, man. And, and I don't think anybody should ever pay attention to what people say, like, on Twitter or in the news or on TV shows, because personally, we're probably all a bunch of jagoffs. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> if, if, if you like the music, that's the end of it. I right, mean, right. You know, if you like the music, that's the end of it. I don't really want to know about their personalities because I'm probably going to be let down yeah. at some point. And, um, and I, I want to just enjoy the music. So I, I have kind of like a policy. Even if the guy's a friggin' asshole, I don't care. If, if I like the music, I own it. It's mine. I, I can listen to it and enjoy it. I don't have to sleep with the guy. I don't have to wake up with the guy, and uh, I don't have to be in a band with the guy. So, like, I just want to enjoy it. So, like, I've overcome the fact that if someone does something that's completely asinine, it's not going to make me lose my enjoyment of the music just because the guy's a jerk. I still love Kiss songs. I still love Peter Chris songs, you know, um, even though I heard what Paul said about Peter. Um and it's not flattering. And I've even read Peter's book and I go, wow, you really think you wrote a book that makes you look good, but you're coming off like an asshole. So, yeah, Peter basically wrote the most honest book of everybody, but he threw himself under the bus so badly. <laughs> but, but I don't think he even realized it. <laughs> I, I hope he did, man. He can't be that stupid. <laughs> oh, man. I, yeah. So, you know, I, I loved Paul's book. Uh, probably the most because, you know, I'm a little biased when it comes to Paul. Um, in the end, I think, you know, Paul really takes the high road himself on a lot of these things. And Absolutely. I, think well, he's... I mean, Paul, and, is, Paul is, is probably the more, uh, he puts a lot more thought into things than I think Gene does. I think Gene is like talk first and sort it out later. Yeah. And he never... Um, Sometimes he impresses me with the things he says is very well thought out, well spoken. But often he makes these blanket statements that are just, first of all, untrue and sometimes proves that he knows little about what he's talking about, especially when it comes to music. When he talks about business and stuff like that, the guy's doing great in business. You know, you, you, you got to, you know, tip your hat for that. But then he talks about I've seen this one thing where he's talking about current music and there's never going to be another band as big as the Beatles or Nirvana and all this stuff and he really has no, no idea what he's talking about. I mean, there are people that are eclipsing these major bands left and right. He just doesn't know who they are. I mean, if you go to like a big festival and see these bands, there's hundreds of thousand people going crazy for these new bands and DJs and, and people doing uh, EDM and stuff like that. It's all just as big as what was big back when he was a kid it's just like he's not experiencing it through the eyes of a 13 year old right now and so he should probably not talk about things of which he doesn't know it just makes him sound old it really does i really agree and uh i mean there's even more stuff you know like he Paul Stanley came out and said, look, we're, we turned down the offer to play the Donald Trump inauguration. And then oh, what's, what's this? Yeah. Paul Stanley tweeted about turning down the offer. They were offered to play. And then uh, Gene Simmons goes, I didn't hear about an offer. We weren't offered anything. But there is footage of Shannon Tweed and uh, their daughter saying that they were offered and they turned it down. And Gene Simmons is in the is in the video. So I don't know what Gene's angle is. I know he's friends with Donald Trump, like personal friends. So he's probably just trying to like be cool to his friend. But so there's this real kind of I think that really pretty much sums up Kiss. You know, like the two sides of Kiss. Mm -hmm. 
Very interesting. Very interesting. Um, I just, uh, everything that's outside of the music part, I, I so prefer not to uh, know because it just makes me sad because because then, you know, you and I probably like Kiss for the same reasons because it just kicked major ass. And and anything outside of that is probably going to be a letdown. I mean, I <laughs> saw something with Paul. Um, I forgot. He was like on some cooking show. And I've done the same thing. I mean, I'm nowhere near the league of a Paul Stanley. And, and, and it's it just happens in real life. You know, it happens. And if you can hang with it, it's cool. But like as a fan, I can totally see wanting to ignore that. I can totally see wanting to ignore that kind of stuff as a fan. But things happen in real life, and people are not just rock stars. They're also people, and they do other things other than blow up stuff on stage and play cool guitar licks. And they do other stuff, and it's not going to please everybody. So I think I have a special place for the bands and the musicians that I'm a fan of, and I try to sort of not want to find out too much about them and just go to their concerts, listen to the records and watch the videos and just watch the artist side of them and not see the other things that happen. And, and uh, hopefully that's, you know, something that other people do. But nowadays, you know, with the, everybody, you know, has conversations with their favorite singers all the time. And it's, it's really a very strange, but uh, I don't know, man, I just, you know, I, I want to keep things pure, like the way, you know, when you, see your first concert and and that feeling does not include knowing someone's you know political ideas or someone's uh you know stance on drugs and and all these kind of things it just has to do with that guy kicking major ass you know yeah it's it's a hard thing to try to carry on in the social media world where everything is out in the open yeah, but like you were talking about Paul's book, and uh, I thought it was definitely fantastic, fantastic reading, as was Peter's. And I'm, kind of, I'm like, I almost think that Peter's was a more interesting read for me because it made me want to read it a couple of times because I couldn't believe what I was reading. <laughs> you know, I couldn't. And, and it also, you know, and we all know that Paul's an extremely intelligent person, as is Gene. But... Peter, we don't really know too much about, we don't really know too much about, mm -hmm. you know, him personally. So yeah. reading the book, it was like a real fresh perspective. And it was kind of like not nearly as calculated as Gene's or Paul's because they think before they speak. Um, well, Paul does. Gene sometimes you know, <laughs> is questionable. But like Peter is, is more like a loose cannon. And I think he tends to be more plain and honest. He just says what he, it's not calculated like the other guys, rightfully so. They calculate what they say and they, you know, they think before they speak. But Peter, I think it was really, really honest. And, and I applaud him very much for that. And I really enjoyed reading it. But when, read, when I read Peter's book from the things that he said about himself, I had more of a respect for Paul and Gene for keeping that thing together. Because you and I both know about keeping bands together and working with musicians. It's the hardest thing in the world. And it's even harder when a guy can't keep a 4-4 beat, you know. And just the stuff about, like, when he wanted to rejoin the band around Dynasty and him taking drum lessons, bringing a music <laughs> band to a KISS rehearsal... Uh, it, that just like I, I was ripping out the pages. I couldn't believe what I was reading. And I'm like, Gene and Paul, they did so much to keep this thing alive. And they're doing it now, like 40 years later. It's like, I think I have the utmost, utmost respect for both of those guys. And especially after reader, reading Peter's book, I mean, just there's him and Ace, too, were just so flippant about all this success and just so they thought they deserved it or something. Well, meanwhile, you know, yes, they did have the magic and I love the way they played, but like the stuff that Paul and Gene had to do on a daily basis to keep that thing going and not fall off the track. I just have the biggest respect for those guys and, and always will, no matter what kind of weird stuff they say in the press or 
anything. I just uh, have big respect for any any artist band who can keep it together for that long and and uh, continue to make fans happy. Is that's that's uh, good enough for me. I agree a hundred percent on that. I'm with you on all points. But you know the funny the the not funny but the interesting thing and is uh, something that's recently happened, uh, which is Ace Frehley's last solo album. Uh, Paul Stanley guested on it. Did you hear really? about Yeah, he did uh, Fire and Water, a free, a free song, uh, an old free cover, Fire and Water, and they, they, uh, they teamed up. And that led to a lot of rumors, oh, Ace is going to join. No, he's not going to rejoin. Paul just wanted to... Uh, do his friend a old friend a favor, and it was really cool. Like they did, they even did a a video for it. Uh, can you so you can see it online? Yeah, I'll send you the link. Oh, please do. That'd be great. Yeah, and they do a little kind of um, interview. There's another clip where they they talk about they're sitting on the stage of the video set and they're just talking about you know how it was to hook up again and talking like that and they're they seem to be getting along just fine you know there's a lot of bad blood a lot of stuff under the bridge and you know i think they've both come both parties have come to the you know the idea that look we're never going to play together and kiss but we can still be friends and do stuff you know so i thought it was a very nice meeting well wow, that's really cool that's really cool yeah, I mean, uh, it can't go on forever, or can it? Because, like, the idea of KISS uh, continuing with new members, including a replacement for Paul and Gene, that's pretty exciting to me. I don't know how you... How do you feel about that? Yeah, that's that's what everybody's talking about, the next step. And I think, I think Paul and Gene are open to that idea, actually. I mean, who wouldn't be? I mean, you don't do anything but sit home and collect royalty checks and fees <laughs> and that's like right up Gene's Valley. I mean, who wouldn't like that? I you know what? I'm open to it, but I'm also um open to the fact that if they're going to do that, they should really open up more characters. I mean, go all out. You know, they've oh. al- always talked about how Eric Singer should have been the hawk and how Eric Carr was supposed to be the hawk and oh. you know, like all kinds of characters and creatures and animals and that would be amazing uh, that would kind of get me back into the kiss fold like really that's like, so interesting to hear you say that like i was six so years old again for it being new new characters yeah i mean if you're going to replace paul and gene and you're going to put in two two new guys then why stop there like just have kiss be the brand and have all these characters under under the brand Ah, interesting. It'd have to be really, I don't know, man. I'd love to see it happen. I think that's that's the more progressive way to do it. I mean, uh, for me, as like a total old school fan, I would love to see a super charismatic new Paul and new Gene. Like there was a guy, like I don't remember, back like maybe 10 years ago or maybe more, there was a guy who did Gene. He looked really cool just like gene i think he's in like a history book or something yeah they took photos together right yeah 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 that guy that dude he's like a streamlined gene yeah he can can play or sing or anything but like if you got guys like just like these um completely computer generated perfect paul and gene and their prime guys find these guys, train them, and make it exactly like the 77 Love Gun Tour. Yeah. That, I don't know. I don't know. That, that'd, be, <laughs> that'd be wicked. That would be wicked. It would be wicked if you could have, like, the rhinoceros on drums or, the, you know, <laughs> the giraffe on drums. <laughs> I, would lo- I would love to see anything, but it's just very interesting to see what they're going to do and how they're going to tie up what they have now i mean i think they're doing an excellent excellent job continuing it because they're giving so much pleasure to so many people and doing it really well i mean their playing is really you know 
if only Ace and Peter could play with the consistency that uh, Eric and Tommy have. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, then it would have been fine. Uh, yeah, I mean, but then it would have been fine. Another another uh, avenue they could go is um, take the makeup off and do lick it up. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, just do that whole kind of asylum, crazy nights uh, era. Did you like that era? I loved Lick It Up in Asylum, man. And uh, Animalize. I, uh, and uh, uh, those three records I love. Interesting. Yeah, I kind of fell off the boat when they took the makeup off. and, and But there's a lot of people here that discovered them in that era. So they could really care less about the makeup. <laughs> yeah, like I got I got back into them when you know they took the makeup off because now I could see the faces and I, it just I don't know it was just it was interesting to me and I I, I was able to and it also got them more mainstream attention so I was able to see them on TV more than you know before when they weren't played on the radio or anything. Lick it up was a genuine radio hit as was. You know, heaven's on fire and tears are falling. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, it's okay to have di- it's okay to have different tastes for sure. I, I kind of uh, I didn't. Uh, I liked some of it, and of course, I followed everything and I bought everything at the time and kind of st- stood up for them when everybody didn't like them. But I just uh, I'm a makeup era guy myself. But uh, same here. Really good. Which one? Sorry, Asylum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I like Asylum. And yeah, I don't know, man. Um, it, it's that's that's a great thing about a band with so many eras is you have people with different eras that there is their favorite, and and it's fun to talk about the differences, and you always wonder what other people see in a particular era or something. Yeah, I, 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 but I, but you know, if push comes to shove, I'm with you. I mean, I'm all makeup too, and the first first era of makeup for sure. Yeah, I mean that, that's. I think a lot of the hardest core guys, that's their favorite. But I, I'm always surprised and pleasantly surprised to find that people discovered them in the no makeup era, and uh, they became fans from that. So that kind of validates, you know. You know, who knows? Maybe you and I saw their makeup in the whole show and just got blown away by that. But like, even without that, they cultivated a whole new audience. So it's like two bands in one, really. Yeah, yeah. It's it's that's what's so that's what I love about that band so much. Yeah, I, I just think they're, they're like really them. I'm not a big Stones fan, but I have the ultimate respect for just being massive for so long and not like going and selling real estate or something <laughs> well yeah. yeah they're the ones buying the real estate <laughs> exactly <laughs> they just made a record they recorded in like three days i've so heard good wrong. reviews of that yeah i heard it and um like i said i'm not a biggest stones fan of all time but like they, they for that age man they sound fantastic yeah. Just fantastic. But on a more newer front, I, I kind of got to go, but I always want to know what you're listening to because you always listen to cool new stuff. So maybe you can recommend me something and I can recommend you something and then we can uh, call it or something. Yeah. Um, okay, so what are you listening to now, Marty? Um, the, the coolest thing that, uh, that you might know outside of Japan is uh, Deaf Heaven. Oh, I love you Deaf Heaven. talked about them, right? Oh, I love Deaf Heaven. Yeah, fantastic, fantastic. Um, can't stop listening to that. And uh, I got uh, Shiv, the guitar player from Deaf, Le- Deaf Heaven, doing a collaboration on, on my new record. <gasps> wow. Yeah, it, is, it is out there. Oh, man. Out there, man. Yeah, it's, it's really out there. And, like, you know, I've always been so lucky you know, I, I find music that I like and I listen to it and I'm a fan. And then uh, I've been very lucky to actually do collaborations with these people, yourself included, Jorgen and Deaf Heaven. Before that, I was massive Andrew W.K. fan. Right. And then, 
And then uh, he came and we did this really big project together. And uh, it's just that very, I'm so far ahead of the game. I'm so lucky in, in that regard that uh, it's, it, you just ask for something and it happens. You know, I think, I think I, I learned that uh, you kind of have to uh, be open about the things that you want and then they come to you somehow. I don't, I don't know how that works, but uh, I think Deaf Heaven is, is one of the most exciting bands to come out of america in a long time oh i'm 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 with you on that man i i, I really love that band cool cool and then what are you listening to well for me i would think uh, well my my album of the year that i put as my album of the year and submitted as album of the year is um a band from i believe australia called king gizzard and the lizard wizard and wow. yeah, they put out a, they put out an album every year, and uh, they they um, sometimes twice in a year. But they they put out an album called Nonagon Infinity, and uh, it's just uh, it just blew me away. Um, really? Yeah, I'll send you a, I'll send you a couple. Of, you gotta watch. You just gotta watch this video, and you will be hooked. I guarantee you, a hundred percent. I'll 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 send you the link. Please do. And then, uh, a, sorry. They tour outside of Australia as well? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, they're always on the road. They're always touring, for sure. Huh. Rock. It's rock. It's rock. It's rock. It's amazing. Um, and then uh, another album that I would have been my album of the year, but it came out a little too late in the year, and I had already submitted my list, was um, Childish Gambino, uh, Awaken My Love. It sounds like a Funkadelic record. Really? Yeah, it's. I mean, I I heard it the first time I heard it. I go, well, this is my album of the year, but I've already submitted my list. Oh my god! Yeah, I've heard that name. My cousin like totally loves it, and I've yet to hear it. So like, that, that's interesting coming from you. Yeah, the thing is, his past records were rap music, and then he right. j he just he just did a, a one eighty, and he put out a funkadelic inspired D'Angelo soul just amazing record that's great because i'm a huge fan of that stuff too i mean i love the old ohio player stuff and uh funkadelic and and lately there's been some some groups and musicians that's starting to sound like that they're really kind of hitting that nerve and it's it's great i love the last d'angelo record too I mean, I'm gonna have to check that out i will send you some now i got to send you a whole bunch of clips you got to check it out Dude, I'm so ready, man. Yeah, uh, Childish Cambino's album "Awaken My Love" is what it's called. It's incredible, and I think on YouTube, you can like kind of listen to most of the record in in audio clips. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, I, I did. Uh, I'm sure it's on Spotify and all that. Oh yeah, I'm sure too. Yeah, yeah. I, I got the record when I when it came out, and I I heard it once, and I'm like, I heard it on YouTube, and I was like, I gotta I gotta own this. Oh my God! So yeah, I, I, I'll send you some links to check out both those uh, albums for sure. Cool. But you know, Marty, your appearance on this episode—this is the third time—and three appearances on the podcast means that you are part of the Black Coffee Brigade. You have joined <laughs> the podcast club that includes um, Duff McKagan from the Guns and Roses, Barrett Martin from Screaming Trees. Wade McNeil from Alexis on Fire, Damien Abraham from Fucked Up, Brendan Canning from Broken Social Scene, a couple more guys that I, uh, Jim Rota from Fireball Ministry. Good Welcome. Company. Welcome to the club. And uh, It's good company, man. Oh, you should have been part of the club a long time ago, but we finally caught up. Ah, man, it's always a pleasure, man. I hope we get to hang out sometime this year um, and cross paths in America, Canada, anywhere. Oh my uh, yeah! I mean, if you're if you're there, uh, as long as I'm not boarding a fucking plane, <laughs> that was a bummer, man. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, of course, Japan is waiting for you, man. So whenever that happens, oh, we would love to. We would love to go to Japan for sure. Hey, do you have a new record? Are you working on a new record? Yeah, it's coming out March third. But uh, yeah, you got to hear it. Yeah, I cannot wait. I I, I do this thing for Spotify Japan. And uh, where I recommend songs, 
and the, and the top one on the list is Body Bags, because that, like, if you don't like that song, you might as well not listen to the rest of the songs. Oh, man, thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, that's man. That's great. That's great. Awesome, man. All right, Marty. All right, well, have a good one. Thanks for calling. You too. Thanks a lot, man. Take care. Bye. I'm always ready. Let's get busy for the 